Welcome to our podcast, Conversations at EBC. We trust that you find the following message empowering and encouraging in your pursuit of God and in His pursuit of you. So, um, David Hellyard from Compassion was here last week and uh, went 25 minutes over on his sermon. Did you notice? Man, oh man, that's just, I felt Jesus fall off his throne. It was <laughs> just like, Jesus like going, do you know what time it is? Plonk. Um, but here's the good news. I did not get one single grizzle. I haven't finished. <laughs> From anyone. Okay, that's finished. I'm not... And in a Baptist church, too. <laughs> Seriously. I mean, the Spirit of God is moving. It's fantastic. Wasn't it good? Last week to hear David speak, he talked about living a God-centered life versus living a man-centered life or a human-centered life. So we are um, week three in our series of Experiencing God, which we'll be running through up until November. And uh, really the heart and soul of this series is to... Um, allow us as people and as a church to kind of shift the way that we pursue Christ in our lives and the way we walk with Him instead of making our plans and asking God to bless them as we go and as we plan. The actual um, model that Jesus sets for us is that uh, my Father is always at His work and I too am working. And where, wherever I see my Father at work, I too must join Him. So there's this whole shift that we're trying to do where we're um, becoming aware of where God it is, at, where, where it is that God is at work so that we can actually join Him there. And so today's talk is number three in that series. Um, one of my favorite scriptures in the whole Bible, and some of you will know this scripture, it's out of Romans chapter 8. Let me just read it to you so that you can just listen to it. And this is out of the NIV. It says, for I am convinced, it's Romans chapter 8, verse 38 and 39, for I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I wanted to retweak that verse this day so that we actually can put, put the emphasis on a different syllable, if we can... If we can do that, saying the same thing, but just, but just tweaking it to, to uh, maybe hear this a little differently. And really, the, the, the anchor point of this is the love of God. And so what I've done is I've, I've retooled this verse, and some of our Bible translators in our midst might be like, <laughs> going, what are you doing to the Word of God? Well, God has lots of grace, that's all I can say. Here we go. For I am convinced that God's love... Defound, defined by and found in Jesus Christ is stronger than death. It's more powerful than life. It's stronger than the strength of either angels or demons. It is larger than the present. It is more powerful than the future, more imposing than the highest height, more foundational than the lowest depth. In actuality, it is more powerful and more pervasive and more present than anything else in all creation. Man, 
See, when you just shift some of the language around, something that we become so familiar with can, can shock us again with its actual power and its, and, its, um, and its significance. To think that the love of God is the most powerful force in all of creation and to live our lives in response to that. So that's why today, um, oh, Deb, you might have to, you know, actually, you know what, it would help if I turned this on. Actually, I wasn't going to blame you for anything, Deb, I promise. All right. I was going to actually get you to help me. There we go. So today we are looking at number two in this series, which is God calls us into a relationship with himself that is real and personal. And this is the, uh, the second point. The first week is that God is at work all around us. And this is what David was talking about last week, moving from a a self-centered life to a God-centered life. But the problem with, uh, as we talk about moving into a love relationship with God, is we impose our own ideas in terms of what we understand the word love relationship means. I don't know if you noticed my cup of tea this morning. It said, it's not an addiction to tea. We are in a loving relationship. I had a couple of you comment on it on the way in at the door. I was strategically placed over there, and had a couple of you placed... uh, Actually, have some envious, made some envious comments, by the way, uh, about my tea and your lack of. Um, but we define love relationship in a number of different ways, to me. And I think a part of what we do is oftentimes we project our own image of what love relationship means upon God. And we, and we do this with all kinds of stuff. So um, we project images, even though we're supposed to be made in His image, I think oftentimes what we do is we make Him in our image. For example... Uh, to speak generally, some might look for a God who is powerful, authoritative, is um, full of accomplishment, is undefeatable. <clears throat> and for some of us, that's the best version of ourselves. We want to be that kind of a person. We want to be powerful, authoritative, filled with accomplishments and undefeatable. For others, we might look for a God who relates to us in terms of never leaving us, or a God of perfect empathy, or a protector. And so oftentimes what we do is we bring our own needs and our own sense of our own idealized version of ourselves and we project them upon God and we assume that's who God is or what God is like. And it's no different when we talk about the love of God too. How do we actually know what the love of God looks like if we just use ourselves as our own reference point? So the best thing to do is turn to the Scriptures. We're a people of the Scriptures. And what I wanted to do today was um, invite you back in time, about 1950 years. And what I want you to do is to listen to something that was written to a group of people in Ephesus who are actually dealing with some confusion about the nature of God and what He's like. These people are 70 years past the time of Christ, so there's been plenty of time for certain heresies to come on board, certain confusions. Some of the Gospels that we're so familiar with now, um, they would not have seen. And also on top of that, a lot of the people, even if they had a copy of something written, could not have read it. So the way that this was communicated to them is the same way that I'm going to communicate it to you now. A group of people that the Apostle John wrote to, um, probably based out of Ephesus. And, and the scripture reference that you're going to be hearing today is out of 1 John chapter 4. 
But I want you to hear this like you're hearing it for the first time. And you're in the middle of a lot of different opinions about what God is like and what His love is like. And more than likely, doing what we do, which is to project our own image of what the love of God looks like back on God. So John writes this letter. It would have come into town. It went to a number of the churches in the area, which is now modern-day Turkey. And here is what they would have heard. Now, just for effect, because I think sometimes we get too familiar with the words, I've actually, I'm actually reading this out of the message um, translation, and it does sound a little different, but that's the point. Okay, so I want you to pretend like you've gathered, you've come into church, there's like confusion about Christ, you're wondering who's preaching today. Well, that's never different. You're always wondering who's preaching today. Uh, you're wondering what we're going to talk about. Um, well, all, all these questions. Um, and then someone gets up and says, I have a letter. I have a letter from John. It's for us. And we're like, going, we'll read that thing. So here we go. My beloved friends, let us continue to love each other since love comes from God. Everyone who loves is born of God and experiences a relationship with God. The person who refuses to love does not know the first thing about God because God is love. So you can't know him if you don't love. Now, you understand this church is fighting and bickering about who's got the right or the best theology and their understanding of what God and the gospel is about. So you can't know him if you don't love. This is how God showed his love for us. God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. <clears throat> this is the kind of love we're talking about. Not that we once upon a time loved God, but that he loved us and he sent his son as a sacrifice to clear away our sins and the damage they've done to our relationship with God. My dear, dear friends, if God loved us like this, we certainly ought to love each other. No one has seen God ever. But if we love one another, God dwells deeply within us and his love becomes complete in us. Perfect love. This is how we know we're living steadily and deeply in him and he in us. He's given us life from his life, from his very own spirit. Also, we've seen for ourselves and continue to state openly that the Father sent his Son as Savior of the world. Everyone who confesses that Jesus is God's Son participates continuously in an intimate relationship with God. We know it so well. We've embraced it, heart and soul, this love. It comes from God. All of a sudden, so much of the confusion that you would have brought to your Ephesian church goes, ah, oh. so God defines what love is, and Christ defines to us what God is like. And the fact that God gave him, and the fact that God paid for our sin through Jesus, and the fact that God pursues a relationship with us through his Spirit, oh, that's what a love relationship with God looks like. 
this has to be the defining characteristic for us, the starting point when we talk about love. I mean, it's pretty obvious when the Pharisees came to Jesus, especially one Pharisee in Matthew 22, and said, Jesus, what's the greatest commandment? So he's asking out of his framework of obedience and commandment and pharisaical obedience to the law, he comes to Jesus and wants to know which is the best because if that's the best, that's the one we should obey because that's how we get right with God. That's how we have a right relationship with God. And so recognizing we come to him out of all of our frameworks and Jesus responds this way. He says, well, the greatest commandment is this, love. He, he, he responds out of a framework of law and addresses it using relational terms. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. So we've got this three-dimensional relational answer to a question that came from a framework of Torah obedience. And Jesus is always doing this. Everywhere he goes, people are looking for who's in and who's out. And Jesus simply serves people and heals people and teaches them about the kingdom. So I have a question for you. Is it possible to put the following words in front of God, 